passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On behalf of WWE, it is my duty to inform you that Enzo Amore has abdicated the WWE Cruiserweight Championship and will no longer be a part of 205 Live. I wanted to be the one to address this situation because of my personal connection to the Cruiserweight division. I was very proud to work on the Cruiserweight Classic, which inspired the creation of 205 Live. I know firsthand about the untapped potential that lies within the superstars of 205 Live. So, it is my pleasure to announce that next week, a 205 Live general manager will be named, and his or her first course of action will be to address the Cruiserweight Championship situation. Whomever has chosen for this responsibility, I know that it will be someone who will give this brand the direction it needs so that it can deliver the exciting, breathtaking in-ring action that you all deserve. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting with you. How are you, Wei? Have you recovered from Monday night? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, my schedule, like over the past week, I've actually been uh, waking up at a very normal hour. I've been waking up at like 7 a.m., but Monday night just kind of completely threw me off. Um, just cause I, uh, yeah, you know, we, we had to stay up a, a, a bit late. So, uh, I woke up today at probably at like two o'clock cause I went oh, to bed wow. at, at like five last night. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully recovered and this is probably like my noon hour right now. Wow. Yeah. I just go to bed late and then I wake up super early. So I'm, I'm sure that that's a healthy sleeping pattern that will not present any problems for me eventually. On on like these nights I find I really have to like get enough sleep. Otherwise I, I can't. It's really tough to make it through like four hours of res- wrestling. Yeah, I'll sometimes wake up really early on Monday morning and I just I have to find some time in the day to sleep for at least an hour or something because I'll wake up at seven in the morning on Monday mm-hmm. and in my head I'm realizing that I will get home from your place at about three thirty in the morning. And that's just too much, and it's daunting at that hour. But whatever. Sleep. What a waste of time, as I've ranted about in the past. But it is necessary, and it is it is nice. Uh, yeah, some would say it's, it's, it's the most important part of the day. Well, where do you want to start off, Way? Well, um, I think we should... I don't know. Where, uh, what do we have to cover on this show? Oh, I, think we I mean, should... we should talk about the Enzo thing, obviously. Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. Um, because where we left things off Monday night, um, a number of things occurred on Tuesday um, advancing that story. First, it was the announcement by the WWE that they were releasing Enzo a day after they had announced his initial suspension. And then as well uh, during the day, um, 
the accuser, uh, was interviewed by TMZ. She had already spoken to uh, Fightful.com, so this was not her first interview, uh, but she did identify herself. This was a video interview. Went into graphic detail about the alleged incident from last October, which would have taken place in Arizona. Uh, we do know that a police report was filed. She had uh, gone to the emergency. She claimed she went to the emergency room for a rape kit. And I guess the what has come out since then, I mean, there is another video that has popped up from someone that apparently is a friend of this woman or former friend disputing her story. It's certainly a very complicated story way. It's very there. Uh, Enzo has also put out a statement on uh, his legal team has put one out completely denying uh, the accusations as well. And this is going to end in, I mean, the authorities are going to have to solve this and, and get to the bottom of this. There is no charges that have been filed uh, against Enzo, Eric Arndt. Um, so that's kind of where things stand. And it's two sides that one side is telling the truth. I think that's where we stand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it snows. It would be an understatement to say that any of these cases would would be simple. Uh, they're they're full of kind of, in many cases, very difficult to solve complexities. And but I I think what we can, um, maybe all agree with is that. Uh, Sean, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, who's, who's been doing a great job covering the story, he also um, tweeted today that Enzo was, uh, he, or he, 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 he was, somebody informed him, okay, I, I have to check his source, but um, there are allegations that Enzo was keeping this investigation uh, away from the WWE. And perhaps this is the reason why he was let go. Not necessarily because of the allegations themselves, although I'm sure, you know, that that plays a part into it. But the fact that he withheld this information from the company. Uh, what do you think of that, John? Well, I don't think that anyone believes the WWE was aware of this investigation that was ongoing. Uh, I am not going to speculate as to what the reasoning was by the WWE to let him go. I think people have to be very careful in cases like this to, they want the answers and thus that just opens you up to speculation and guesswork. And this is not, a, no story should be uh, guesswork if you're covering it, but uh, especially in something as significant as this, where mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, potentially sexual assault and somebody's reputation conversely. So uh, the WWE very well, had they, been made aware of this like everybody else on Monday, that could have been a tipping point. I'm I'm sure that would have been. Uh, tipping point kind of being the key word because, I mean, I, how much of this do you think, how much of, of his reputation that already existed do you think played a part in them being uh, very kind of eager to release him? You know, that that's where I don't know if you can really connect the dots of, you know, here is a guy that has rubbed people the wrong way and possibly been thrown off a tour bus and then link it to something like this. It's just so different that I, I think you really have to just assess this uh, by the merits of this case and what it is. 
There is no way, given this investigation that is ongoing, that you could put this guy on television. Suspension was bare minimum what they had to do. And I'll say that if if he is exonerated, if he is if he is proven innocent in all of this, I am sure that job will be there for him at the end of this. Possibly. Possibly. I don't know if if you could be sure of it. I think if you're innocent, I think you have to bring the guy back. I mean, how could you justify if he is found innocent here? They don't have to bring anybody back if they don't want to. Uh, I, I mean, I think, I think what, a, but what we've come to realize is that the WWE is not, it's not a, a, a democracy. It is a dictatorship run by one man. And he, if for whatever reason, he doesn't like you or doesn't want you being a part of his company, he has every right to not hire you. Well, I, I think that's besides the point. I, I feel that if he is found innocent in when all of these allegations are brought forward, I, I think there's a very strong chance he'll, he'll be back. Um, but that is um, certainly th- there is a big proceeding to to go through here, and it's it's a it's a very messy situation. Uh, I think that this is only going to get uh, more attention uh, in the coming days because of it being someone prominent that was part of the WWE, and the fact that you have these contradictory stories that I think are going to get a lot of attention over the next couple of days, and I think that it's. It's kind of responsible to just look at the fact that it is an investigation that is ongoing and it's not one that I think is should necessarily be be litigated by fans on Twitter. No. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's sort of the nature of celebrity, though, unfortunately. Um Anyway, I think all we can really kind of talk about is like kind of the WWE's handling of the situation. How would you assess that? Um, I think that, you know, I'm going to put a big if here. I mean, if they, you know, this was completely hidden from them and they were blindsided like everybody else and Enzo was aware of this investigation that was involving him. I, I don't know how he could have expected that a this wasn't going to get out and b that his job would be at stake just from hiding something like this. To me, uh, if you are innocent, which his statement he is stating he is, you go to your company immediately and tell them of what this situation is, and you have all your ducks in a row, and you clearly have your story provided to your. To your company and you want this out there you want your name cleared it is true uh i understand your point john but the the even even the the most uh truthful portion of that story the circumstances surrounding it are hardly savory and, and they hardly kind of paint enzo as sort of like a likable character you know what i mean being involved in the circumstances with which that that whole scenario even occurred well, you're right. I mean, there's, you know, alleged drug use involved in all of this. Uh, you're right. Um, but to me, if there was once there is a legal investigation, once the police department is investigating this, mm-hmm. um, I just I don't see how you, you try and hide that from the company. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, at that point, it's just. I think I think you have to kind of assess your situation here and that this wasn't going to just be 
some quiet thing from a, you know, a, a celebrity. I mean, that's what you could classify him as. Absolutely. So that's kind of where things stand. The, um, I mean, I have reached out to the uh, the Phoenix Police Department regarding the the status of the investigation, and I'm awaiting any update to that. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are. It's just simply waiting as this investigation uh, wraps up, and there is a police report potentially that is released, and then you can see specific details and and what their findings are, because at this point, it's it's not known to the public. So that is uh, the Enzo story, and we'll move on into Tuesday's episode of SmackDown. And I guess, why don't we just start off with um, how they addressed this on 205 Live. I did watch the show, but the the only notable part of the show was off the top. There was a cold open with Daniel Bryan uh, stating that Enzo is no longer a part of 205 Live. The title has been abdicated. And that next week on the show, they will be introducing a 205 Live general manager, and their first course of action will be to address the title situation. And that set up what was, you know, they were pretty much telling you, we've got a lame duck episode of 205 Live coming up next with some matches. Mm-hmm. Although it was uh, some very good matches, actually. I watched the whole show, and the matches, they were good. But it was all, um, it, it's kind of, they didn't have any... Uh, storyline progression of how they're going to handle this title, and that's all designed for next week. Yeah, I wonder if they know right now who it is that they want for this GM role. Probably uh, not. Yeah, who do you think are the, are the are the most likely candidates right now? Uh, on the roster, Spud's around. Spud would be very good in the role. Yeah. That's a good introductory role for him. Um. I think Drew Gulak, I mean, they kind of teased it on the show, but I think Gulak would really be great in that role. Mm, I don't know. I, I think he's better as just a heel on the show. I, I think that would be a lot of Drew Gulak on the show if you were building the whole show around his segments. He's the only interesting part about the show. Mm, I don't know if I go so far as to say he's, I don't know. He He's not the, um, his character is fine. I, I don't know if I'm in, in as in love with the character as others are. Uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of, I mean, they could, they could pull a, a name out of a hat from just the past or somewhere. You could put Dustin Rhodes in that role it's because he has nothing going on now. And he's kind of got this weird affiliation with 205 live. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing to me, I think the Enzo Amore experiment was, I think a worthwhile one to, 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 to try to try to inject some interest into that show. And you can argue that, yeah, it was a success because people actually started to pay attention to the to the matches, at least. But it still didn't feel right. You know, this, this 205 Live um, uh, show, I think, was created based on, I think, the promise that you would see great wrestling, with wrestling being the focal point. And um, the, the, the whole Enzo thing really got away from that. Um, not to say just a pure wrestling show would have been successful. Obviously, it wasn't successful. That's why Enzo was chosen. But I think this whole thing gives them a chance to rebrand it and to try to fix this this broken broken show uh, as in some way to try to f- give it one last go at 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 being uh, 
yeah, a successful product. Um, so I hope whoever they have chosen and whatever direction that they have chosen is different, different enough from what came before, different from the Enzo type of uh, 205 Live. Just and and I hope it works because, as you saw on the show tonight, there are a lot of very talented people on this roster. What about Paige? She's got nothing to do with the cruiserweights. Who has? I mean, who who are your candidates if that's your criteria? Drew Gulak, Rockstar Spud. Mm, I think it has to be some somebody like because if if it's Paige, it's just like it has. It's out of nowhere. Paige is already but, but busy. But why though? Like like someone like a. Uh, I she's got know. no relations. She got she's got no history. But she needs a role on the show. She's got plenty to do. Plenty to do? Yeah, otherwise. Like what? Being in the she, corner of absolution? Yeah. She's their mm. mouthpiece. I think there, was, there are a lot of people... When was the last promo she cut? Promo? I guess two weeks ago. Two to three wow. weeks ago. I'm just throwing out names. I mean, yeah, she's I mean, I just, I just, I, I know what you're saying, but I think the there are, I think there are better choices than Paige. Well, there aren't any uh, overwhelming choices that come to me. I mean, Spud would be fine. I just don't know if they'd put him in such a. No, I'm not even going to say that's a prominent role being the GM of. He would be very good in the role. He would probably be the best choice. Whatever, Nigel. Like the, any number of people. I just like whoever the GM is. I just hope it signifies. Uh, a directional change in in the show. I don't know if they could save it. Honestly, I don't. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up that this is going to be a dramatic philosophical shift. I mean, the I, I just don't see them doing much. Though, as a, I mean, there is now that this. If they want to continue with what they were doing on two hundred five live, as broken the show Matt was, Hardy. Oh God, it's possible. Um, Spud could could come in and and fill that role that they were basing like he's a very versatile performer that could be to what they want 205 live to be he could be a component there possible possible I don't see him being a, a difference maker though it's it's it, I don't really see anybody being much of a difference maker this is the most we're going to talk about this GM, and then we're all going to remember Tuesday afternoon that they had promised this, and we had forgotten about it all week. Mm-hmm. As if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports podcast, John and Wade, they'll talk about the things they did that day, they'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown, Rwanda Smackdown. SmackDown began. They were in Washington, D.C. Tuesday. Uh, It started with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming out, and they stated that they are the future of the WWE and not a parade of retirees uh, that you saw last night on Raw. Each says the other will be the next WWE champion. They are the best competitors here on SmackDown. And if they couldn't overcome the odds of a handicap match, then Styles won't either. And they're doing the, the yep over and over again. AJ comes out. And his first question was, did I hear you right, Cammy?" And he then starts asking yeah. himself questions. And instead of saying, yep, he says, nope. Zane then cut a promo, which Owens would uh, just end each statement with, yep. And then Styles said, if you guys can shut your yep holes for a minute, 
This isn't the Cami show. It's the house that AJ Styles built. This this was not good to me. Oh, he's had some. He's had a, a few rough weeks, AJ, um, with with these terrible terrible lines. You know um, what? I didn't even think Owens and Zayn. I just feel the Owens and Zayn stuff. Like these guys just feel like they're really trying to find their rhythm together. And Zayn's go to is like playing this cartoon character next to Owens. Oh, I love it. I think they've, oh. I think they've found it. I think Zayn in particular is so much fun to watch as a heel. Um, he just, ah, he's just fun. He's just fun and really annoying. But like, I I think those two. Have, there's nothing wrong with those two. I think it's AJ for whatever reason being told to work in these terrible cami things. The nope thing is fine, but like, shut your yep holes, please. Owen says that ignorance is the official language of Washington, and they replayed how the handicap match was initially set up with Styles blurting out the idea and Brian making the match, and they stated that Styles can't weasel his way out of this. Brian is forcing him to live up to his word as they showed footage of AJ being interviewed by Renee two weeks ago where he said he would fight them separately in one night. So Owens makes that challenge for tonight, for Styles to face Owens and then for Styles to face Zayn right afterwards. Daniel Bryan comes out, and at first he's not going to make the match, but Styles wants the, to face each one separately, so the matches are made for later this evening. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought I thought the segment opening segment maybe a little bit long with with some of the recap of previous weeks, but I thought it all made logical sense. They kind of kept you asking questions about Bryan's allegiance, and you know, by the end of AJ's promo, I felt like they did script him to to feel like a strong enough babyface champion that is kind of willing to take on these insurmountable challenges. Brian met with Shane in their office, and Shane can't believe he booked Styles in two matches before he has to defend the title on Sunday. Brian says, I wasn't going to sanction it, but are you questioning AJ's ability to face both men tonight? And St- And Shane says, I wasn't questioning his ability. And then he walked off insinuating that it's Brian's ability that he is questioning. So off went Shane as uh, he was maybe Shane was going to go. He's, he's worried about these odds. It's like, what what is my uh, general manager up to this Sunday? These odds <laughs> are very staggering in his favor. Should have put some money down. Well, uh, Shane's I, been known to make some bad investments. So perhaps yeah. he got in on this. I was wondering if they'd make any mention of the Austin segment with Shane. Um and no, it was it was he played a, he played the Shane McMahon of 2003 on Monday and then he was back to normal Shane tonight. Yeah, I don't think really need to. Like he did come out of that Austin segment looking like a punchline. But I feel like the vast majority of your audience just recognizes that as sort of like a non-canon fun out of character moment. That's how I took it. Yeah. Because I think if if you were to be honest if you, if you were viewing it as attaching it to everything, I actually think they kind of I think they've done a really good job of making Shane this kind yeah. of this this baby face that is that runs SmackDown and it's was shouldn't have been in that role. But mm-hmm. I think everyone could take those twenty minutes that it was it was like it was nineteen ninety nine. That's what they were trying to recreate, and it was almost it wasn't part of canon. You're right. Yeah, um, it's it it was almost like I mean I I came out of it thinking like. Hmm, should they really have done that to Shane? Because you could argue Shane is actually somebody who is still an active 
player that they actually make money off of uh, because he is an attraction. Now, like, should he'll he have be... a WrestleMania match, which yeah. Austin Austin won't. Should he be the one taking these two stunners and kind of make looking like a joke? But I really, I mean, it, I really don't think it hurts him at all, especially for like the audience that I think that segment plays towards. If anything, it kind of makes Shane even more likable because of the the spit selling. Um, you know, just him doing a good job and kind of being cool with like being the punchline of that joke. After this review, we'll also we'll go over the ratings from uh from Monday's Raw as well. Uh, so anyway, that ended that segment, and then Jay Uso took on Chad Gable, and Gable gets a takedown, mounts the back, and is attacking him with cross faces. Uso's up, sends Gable to the floor, and they go through a break. We return in the middle uh, with a Northern Lights suplex by Gable, and then Gable climbs to the top, lands on his feet on a moonsault attempt. Gable then stops Uso uh, Jay's dive to the floor. Uso hits a Samoan drop, and then there's a running hip attack by Jay, which is caught by Gable, hits a rolling capo kick, and then follows with the chaos theory. Great ending sequence here with Jay, with Chad Gable pinning Jay Uso. Yeah, spectacular finisher. I I, I think he should name that thing, the chaos theory. Um, yeah, it has no name. It still has no name. It's the rolling suplex. Green Gables. It's the revolution throw. <laughs> Green Gables? <laughs> chat of green gables yeah um anyway it's great i think it's 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 probably the best part of his act right now uh, a very brief but i thought a strong match i think gable continues to deliver in ring as heels i think he and benjamin still have a lot of character to build but in ring i think they're being booked booked very strongly and they're able to to really showcase their their abilities in particular chad gable to look like a threat you know i've got to say uh, uh since the breakup like jordan and gable are not in terrible positions at all well they're being focused on and they're being yeah. given a lot of tv time and, and strong wins like i don't feel gable is ever going to get like that big that big push but he's at least in a spot now where he gets to showcase himself mm -hmm. uh, in in situations like this and and jordan I, I think they have higher hopes for but yeah at least gable he's getting more focused upon now than he was with american alpha but the tag team was never the problem you know, like, no, the but they were fun. just, they, they were weren't given TV them. time. Mm -hmm. Renee Young interviewed Shinsuke Nakamura and his plans for the Royal Rumble uh, is to put his knee to someone's face and then do that over and over and over again. Not truly understanding how to win this Royal Rumble. So I hope he's clued into the rules. Baron Corbin walks in and says Shinsuke is all hype. He's all show, no go. And he said that audience doesn't pay my bills so they can keep their opinions to themselves. And he asks Shinsuke, what have you done? Nakamura actually says, it's not about what I've done. It's about <laughs> what I will do at the Royal Rumble. And he says, let's rumble tonight. Mm. Guy just blew off his last year here on SmackDown. He's like, ah, whatever. He's been on for a year. I mean, WrestleMania. Wow. It's called up the, the night, the two nights after, I guess, on SmackDown. Man, what like a nothing year. Like, can you, how many great matches has he had that entire time? He had the Cena match on TV. Yeah. He had the great spot with AJ in the Money in the Bank. Okay, that's a spot. Oh, and I feel he had. Did he have a good match with Orton? 
I thought it was a good match. I thought it was uh, not excellent, but it was good. But come on, yeah. like how lackluster of a year. Like the fact that he didn't even, even takes that amount of time to, to try to even think about that. Way of those ones we just listed off, like I think one of his better nights was tonight, which is not saying a ton, but his match tonight I thought was one of the better like outings he's had. Mm, it's just, um, eh, I think we haven't really kind of taken a step back and really like assess this Shinsuke Nakamura year first year and, and uh really kind of it's like it's come i've come to the realization that it's it's been a really lackluster year for him well we will uh we are going to do a royal rumble preview at the end of this show and we will discuss He's one the shinsuke nakamura yeah well the question is is he weighs favorite to win the rumble we'll find out okay uh, I thought we were getting a whole series of Rumble promos. We got the the name card up of Ty Dillinger, and they limited this to one promo tonight. There was one promo of a guy uh, discussing his chances to win the Rumble. That is Ty Dillinger, who mentions coming out number 10 last year at the Rumble, which everyone was so excited, hoping he would be number 10, and he was. Uh, he said his year has been full of ups and downs. I think more of the latter. <sighs> and... That changes now because he's part of the 2018 Royal Rumble and he can't do his 10 sign because he's holding his phone to shoot himself. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if these selfie promos will continue past um, the Royal Rumble. Not to, not to even suggest that there's anything that, that's tied into the Rumble, but they seem to be uh, prevalent throughout this entire show. Um not, you know, in, in this instance, obviously with the mixed match challenge because of the whole Facebook thing, but also they were all over 205 Live. So at this point, I'm just wondering if they're just a means to save production money because I'm sure all their production crews are pretty uh, tied up on production day. So they're just like, hey, grab a f- cell phone, film yourself. Um, I, and I wonder if this will continue. It, it certainly does seem experimental at the moment. Well, they either need to get selfie sticks or at least, I mean... Do it at like a or or uh, fisheye fisheye adapter. Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a necessary tool in 2018. But just just go to a go to a restaurant and place it in the in the middle there. I mean, of your table really is the best way. Yes, it's great, mm-hmm. very st- stable. Naomi versus Liv Morgan, the match you never knew you would want to see, but this match had some some interesting stuff in it. Good and bad. Yeah, you should you should really um you should be the promo like producers for these matches. Liv goes for a backslide and we get a count of one, two. Naomi's shoulders are still glued to the mat, but the count just stopped as Naomi really, I think, struggled to uh, maneuver herself out of this cover. Morgan is then down in the corner, draws Naomi in and Sends her into the turnbuckle. Then Naomi, she goes for a clothesline, and Liv does the does the matrix, just bending backward. And then Naomi goes for a spinning head kick and spins right around and did like three revolutions here, going for this head kick. Because Morgan we kept ducking. Kept ducking. Yeah. And it looked even better because of her long hair. Mm-hmm. And then it ended with Naomi landing a knee. This was the best sequence I've ever seen involving Liv Morgan in my life and maybe <laughs> Naomi's career too, which is much longer. 
<laughs> I like the sequence too. I thought it was fun. I thought they executed it with great speed and a pretty good precision. Got a good reaction. This was this was the highlight of the match. Uh, Natalia, Lana, and Carmella came down, followed by Becky, and then Naomi just kicked her off the apron, hit a sunset flip, and pinned Liv Morgan in two minutes and thirty-eight seconds. It was a brief match, but I mean, listen, Liv Morgan is somebody who is she ready for to be on the main roster? I don't know. I probably not. Um, if if you kind of want your standard of wrestling in the division to be a certain level, she's probably not ready. But, you know, they were, this wasn't just a basic match. Like, they did line out some pretty ambitious things, and I thought she did fine with mainly, with most of the things they lined out for for her to do. All the women got involved. Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan attacked Naomi after the match. Becky ran in for the save, dumped them to the floor. Then Natalia attacks Becky. Riot is in. Lana comes in. Everyone took their turn attacking everyone. And it ended with Naomi and Becky standing alone. But then Naomi... Uh, was it uh, Becky nails Naomi and threw she her over to, the top? Yeah, yeah, tries to catch her and, by surprise and tosses her out. And they did the goofy, like this playful interaction with the two, like smiling at each other. Ha ha ha. And then Charlotte came out and she loves how fierce Becky is looking. She wishes them all good luck, especially for the winner who will get the chance to face the queen at WrestleMania. That's it. That yeah. was our big segment to tee up the rumble on Sunday. It was a really standard segment, but I feel like they still did a better job than Raw at building up well, to this women's rumble match. High even, praise. Even though Raw just like had every advantage given the characters they had to play with on the show. Um so anyway, that that's that that was that. You know, the women's rumble kind of just has the uh, the appeal of being the first one. I think that's what they're kind of just using as the the selling feature. Mm-hmm. The men's rumble, they really did an awful job this year of promoting this. Yes, I completely agree. Usually you have storylines going in. I, I mean, I say that, I, I think, with, like, really great hindsight because they, they probably don't have stories going to many of the years of promotion. But, like, at least you, you kind of have your favorites um, this year, Nakamura is only a favorite because I think we all know he's, like the he's Vegas one of the thing. few guys that they've promoted on TV is in the Rumble. Like honestly, if you just were a WWE fan, a new fan that had mm. just started this year, mm. you would have no idea Roman Reigns is even in the Royal Rumble. Did he even announce himself as, I don't, as being in the Rumble? I don't even, well, he was the IC champion. But well, that doesn't prohibit you from being in the Rumble. True. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, very little attention kind of paid to it. Maybe like they're they're maybe they're just banking on the idea that people are going to watch the Rumble anyway, simply because it is the Rumble, and you know they don't have to do anything to really tee it up. We got some mixed match challenge promos. The Miz is with the IC title with Asuka, who spoke Japanese, and then they shot Carmella with the New Day eating pancakes, getting ready for their match. Did you watch the Mix Max challenge? I did. Okay, we can hear from Way afterwards his thoughts on it. I did not see it on Tuesday. I was. It's not was easy done. to find from for Canadians. I didn't that. even bother trying. Uh, Graves just says he can't wait for the Mix Match challenge. He's he's just so excited. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. The crowd is chanting for Nakamura. Corbin's holding his ribs and he goes to leave, but Nakamura brings him back, and then 
Corbin attacks him in the throat and throws him into the the turnbuckle uh, throat first as they go to a commercial. They come back. Nakamura recovers, hits this sit-out gourd buster, and sets up for the Kinshasa when he runs into a deep six for a near fall. Corbin then nails him with this inside-out clothesline. Crowd is into this match. He goes for the end of days. It's countered into an armbar, but then Corbin postures up to pin him, and Nakamura kicks out, and then Nakamura hits a spinning heel kick, sets up for the Kinshasa, and then, out of nowhere, it's Randall who nails Nakamura with an RKO, and this place goes nuts. This was great. The RKO was fantastic. Like, legitimately, no one saw this coming. This Mm -hmm. was really well done. Even Nakamura, who clearly must have seen this man approaching, but was just in awe of Randy Orton, and he just ate this RKO. Yeah, I wonder, like, hmm, was he just hiding underneath the ring, you think? Or he came through the crowd. Yeah, but uh, great, always a great treatment with the, with the RKO. Um, I thought the match was just okay. I really didn't think it was all, all that special. For a Baron Corbin match, and to be honest, Shinsuke Nakamura on TV, I, I like the match. Mm. Does, did you see? Sorry, go ahead. Did you see Randy Orton's uh, wife, who was all upset that he wasn't part of Raw on Monday night? Yes, I did. Yes. Man. I mean... I, I wonder if she... Posted a retraction today saying, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I he don't. He might have been know. playing poker. Uh, yeah, really. I wonder what he would have done on this show. You know, I'm sure many people who didn't receive the call were probably grateful that they didn't this morning. Uh, by the way, um, just kind of before we move on, um, the, like for people that are upset that like Stone Cold or like Trish Stratus didn't get any mic time, they actually shot some things with them uh, uh, for the YouTube channel. And uh, these are just kind of like Kathy Kelly, Mike Rome interviews with them backstage. Um, the Austin one was pretty funny with Mike Rome. Yeah, you can tell, obviously, these are kind of all pretty un- un- unscripted. Uh, and in particular with Austin, he just basically kind of made fun here's, of Mike Rome. Here's your script, Mr. Austin, for our uh, WWE.com exclusive, if you could just go <laughs> Well, you have Mike Rome kind of like playing your very kind of standard WWE-speak type of interviewer, asking a very WWE-speak type of question to Steve Austin. And Austin is coming back, I think, in full Steve Austin character, and he basically just kind of heals on Mike Rome, or at least just like makes fun of him. And... Uh, it was fun to see. It's fun to see Steve Austin play Steve Austin again, even for a brief moment. Uh, Trish did one too, but it wasn't nearly as noteworthy. She did kind of tease, though, that she would pop up again sometime soon, maybe even Sunday. Well, th- you definitely, if you're going to tease something like that, you want to do it on, on YouTube. <laughs> I guess. But as opposed to our most watched show in three years. It, it it kind of does boggle the mind that you had uh, that you wouldn't give more mic uh, airtime to some of these people, but then again, they just there was just so much to to get to on that show, you know. No excuse, absolutely. But man, anyway. So my my question to you, John, is does at this point, okay, do you think mm, who who is your favorite? Let's 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 just kind of like spoil our preview here. But who do you see as the favorite right now? to win the men's rumble for the men's rumble. I think reigns or Nakamura. And, and, and if they go, and if they go outside of that, I would say, I really don't want to see them do something like they did last year where 
I don't think anyone expected Randy Orton to win. But to me, it's like winners like that where they're doing, you know, a glorified undercard match at WrestleMania. I think it just waters down the rumble. Like I want to see one of the key guys at Mania win the match. And that should be Reigns. And Jesus with Nakamura, Christ. we... Reigns, though, I mean, just imagine the reaction live. Like, this would be his, what, third? Don't and you think they kind of, I, I think they just roll with those reactions now. Like, it, I don't think I it's, it, it has to be, they have to, uh, at all cost, avoid those reactions. Like, if it was me, I would have had Roman Reigns losing that title at the Manhattan Center, where they're losing their shit with a Roman Reigns live match, uh, and, and he loses. But at this point, I just almost feel like it's it's such a waste of your resources because the rumble is there for somebody and can be a lot for somebody else. But to just kind of give it a, a give another shove for Roman, uh, I, it, to me, it just feels like I can already sense like the outrage that that you'll see afterwards. Well, um, if you want to really get Nakamura over, he should win this rumble and he should eliminate Reigns. I agree. You'll, you'll eliminate that problem. I completely agree. So my question is, does Nakamura feel hot enough right now to win the no, Rumble? he doesn't. No, not at all. I mean, I think everyone's only uh, positioning him as the favorite because he's probably AJ's best opponent on SmackDown. They did kind of talk about that WrestleMania match that AJ really wants. But he really has not done enough on the main roster at, up to this point to feel like a credible main eventer. He hasn't even had the great matches yet. Um, so... I mean, really, the build, I think, for Nakamura has mainly come from Vegas as, you know, it's it's been, to me, like, the best build of Shinsuke Nakamura for this Rumble thus far, him being uh, the favorite in, in, in Las Vegas. Afterwards, uh, we had a recap of the 25th anniversary of Raw, and they had a whole new video package with Fallout Boy. Oh, is this a different song? No, they used the same song, but it was now a video of the highlights of the night before. Right. In, instead right. of the whole history of Raw. The New Day comes out. I don't know if you caught this, but Big E had his cereal box with pancakes in them, and he poured them on top of this guy who seemed into it up until a point where he was not into this anymore. <laughs> really? And he grabbed one of the pancakes, and he just dead-eyed Big E. And he like threw the pancake at him. Wow. And Big E was like taken aback and he just sh shook his head like, what's going on here? I don't understand this at all. And this dude was like, he looked mad, but then he was like smirking at the end like he was just screwing with him or something. But Big E was just having none of it and then wow. just turned his attention away and left. But everyone go back and watch this. I watched it like three times That's to try great. and make out what was exactly happening here because <laughs> – this this fan seemed annoyed, and yeah. Biggie looked angry at this guy who clearly was not. Uh, it was threw like a pancake at him. It kind of reminds me of like how um, like I've always had the thought watching some of these old wrestling shows about what a fan's reaction would be to the Bushwhackers coming out and licking somebody in the face. Oh, there's no way they could do that now. Like, I feel like I would punch Luke in the face. Or, or Butch in the face if he tried to do that to me. Oh, my God. The... At, at least I would sue. That's like, that's 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 beyond harassment. It's like trying to spread disease. Well, how about when, like, Carrie Von Eric would, like, come through the crowd and he'd, like, make out with women on the way to the ring? 
Yeah, I probably can't do that now. They announced, the New Day announces that they are entering the Royal Rumble match. So everyone can now speculate what Kofi's spot will be. Woods says that their partner tonight beat two men last week to become the United States champion. And it leads to Bobby Roode making his entrance. Wood lip-synced his uh, entrance theme. And then Roode says that his goal is to be the, the best U.S. champion in history. And his reign will be absolutely, and then the New Day says, stupendous, delicious, exuberant. And it builds up to him saying, absolutely glorious, as all four did the big pose. I don't know what it is, but this pose with all four of them was great. Yeah, it was like a, like almost like an echo, like an amplifier. They took on Rusev, Aiden English, and Jinder Mahal. And Rude came in, hit a blockbuster to Aiden English, followed with a spinebuster to Jinder. And then Rude gets hit with this head kick from Rusev, which led to a near fall by English with a schoolboy. Kingston did a diving trust fall to the floor. And then there was the blind tag from Woods, who had Ninzaguri off the top, uh, off the apron, spinebuster by Rude. And then Woods did a diving elbow off the top, pinning Aiden English. Fun little six-man. Yeah. It was quick. I'm kind of bored with Bobby Roode. I think he's just like, at this point, like still really one-dimensional. The catchphrase is just... I mean, it gets a great reaction, yes. The entrance gets a good, good reaction. But to me, like watching on TV, I'm just like, I groan now whenever he, he attempts it. And in ring, thus far, he's you know very technically sound, but I think quite generic. So... I don't know. That's just kind of my assessment on Bobby Roode right now. I'm waiting for that heel turn because I'm sure he'll really turn it up whenever that happens. Uh, but but week one of this U.S. title run, not all that inspiring to me. Well, he's it's not all that different from from Nakamura in that here's a baby face that, again, we go to our uh, our brand new fan who is questioning if Roman Reigns is in the Rumble. And I asked that fan, tell me one thing about Bobby Roode that you have learned in your couple of months watching WWE. What, what would that person say? He's glorious. What did, what, that's it. That's all he knows about him. He's got an expensive robe, and he's glorious. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing about this person you could possibly know. Nothing you know about Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. What does this guy do on a Wednesday night when he's at home? I no think, idea. I think if you had like a Bobby Roode character, let's say in like the 80s or 90s, you would get weeks of vignettes of him like whatever, like living, you know, a very luxurious lifestyle um, I don't know, sipping wine, hanging Promo out. Promo time. Like all this stuff you would get before he came out. And therefore this catchphrase, as great as it is, would probably mean a lot more because it would signify a bit of depth, you know, uh, the rest of uh, the rest of his character. We really have not been presented with that yet uh, at all on, during his time on the main roster. Imagine Kurt Hennig without those vignettes. He just mm. came out yeah. and, and all he was... He just said absolutely perfect, and he's Mr. Perfect, and that's all you know. It's, yeah. He's perfect. Or that's Ra- it. Or Razor Ramon just being the guy with, with the toothpick. Yeah. I mean, it's just – I think they really take for granted how much people are aware of some of these characters. And I can't even say – at least on NXT, I mean, they they went to his makeshift home and and did sit downs with him and you got the character across of, of who this guy was and i think that's that's necessary tracy koleski that's who tracy is. tracy koleski would be the big breakthrough character that he would need mm-hmm. i mean 
man, go back to that time when they remember the the home videos with Bobby Roode on Impact. That was great stuff. I don't remember that stuff at all. That I was, only that remember was how Tracy. we learned about Tracy. Colesti. I know. I only remember that name. That's it. Oh. I remember interviewing Bobby Roode, and you know the interview's going fine, but then at the end, I bring up Tracy Koleski. And he was just like his eyes lit up that I knew wow. who this guy was. And he was <laughs> so much more interested in talking to me about lacrosse than he was plugging this NXT show. And then after the interview, he continues. He's like, so you're a big lacrosse guy? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But I, I mean, I follow it a Ooh. little bit when I was younger, oh. but I'm a big Tracy Koleski guy. <laughs> and I asked him, he's coming to take over. He's like, no, he's, he's got a big game. He's coaching now. Wow. So, well, that's great. Anyway. <laughs> AJ Styles uh, versus Kevin Owens was our first of two AJ Styles matches. Shane came out at the start, and he said that if Zayn goes near the ring, he will lose his chance to be in the match on Sunday, and he will be fired on the spot. Same goes for Owens. So neither can get involved in the other's match tonight. And they start exchanging words with the microphone just uh, strategically placed to pick up the conversation between Shane and Owens where Owens is pleading his case that Daniel was okay with all of this. And then they just cut to break abruptly, mid-sentence. We come back. Owens misses a cannonball in the corner, grabs his knee, and Owens uh, has the calf crusher applied by Styles. And Owens taps out in a minute seven, which I think would confirm that this guy is, is working with an injury of some sort because they kept this very short. And then for the entirety of the Sami Zayn match, it was Owens selling that I almost feel is they're out to limit Owens' involvement in this match on Sunday. Right. Okay. What do you know about the injury? Do you, do you know like like what what exactly it might be? I, I don't know what the injury is. Just mm. that there's been house shows that he's been missing, and I think this is pretty clear. We had we had eight we had like 17 minutes of AJ wrestling, and a minute of it was with Owens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sami Zayn did all the the work here, so. Owens is down on the floor in pain, just dying as Sami Zayn is out and he attacks Styles. They go through a commercial break and then the bell rings to start their match. They end up fighting to the floor and AJ just attacks Owens, who's injured. Zayn then clotheslines Styles on the floor. They go through another break. Owens is still on the floor when they return. Styles hit a hurricane run off the turnbuckle. Ushi Goroshi. Then Zayn comes back with a tornado DDT. And Styles gets his boot up to start the Huluva, to stop the Huluva kick, lands a Pele kick. Michinoku driver is hit by Zayn for a two count. They're just going back and forth. Zayn avoids the Styles clash, rolls to the floor. Styles follows him. Now Owens is on a stretcher. So AJ dumps the stretcher with Owens on it to the floor. I, I thought that jerk. was I thought that was great. <laughs> he yeah. rolls into the ring. And Zane has uh, Zane is all set up and hits him with the Haluva kick, follows with a blue thunder bomb, and Sami Zayn pins AJ Styles at fifteen forty two. The way this was booked and this injury angle, I thought they were going to end the show by announcing that it's one on one and that they were somehow going to have Owens thrown out of this match. That's what this felt like. It's almost felt like they were hedging their bets if they have to do a singles match on Sunday. Hmm. Right. But it wouldn't be nearly as interesting, I feel, if it was age. I mean, if it was a straight up match, yes. But you, you already, they already kind of gave that away here. AJ versus Zayn. Um, I think you're, you should expect a match with a lot of shenanigans. 
Um, and it's a match you can work around an injury. It's not a three-way. So mm-hmm. Owens can be very limited if he actually is uh, hurt. Yeah, yeah. AJ has lost a lot in this entire feud. Uh, he's been pinned a lot. Uh, and I, I mean, I think for the most part, it's fine. I do feel like it should stop soon because like we were talking about on Monday, Roman lost to the Miz and to you, John, that was a big deal because they've been so protective of Roman Reigns and look at how little they care for AJ, a man who actually already has the belt. And you know, by, by all accounts, looks like he's about to head into WrestleMania for uh, a title match. And at the end of it all, look at how much they protected Roman and look how little they protected AJ but who do you think will be the big baby face for their title match at Mania? Well, to that audience, it's certainly going to be, you know, I, yes, it's it, to, to look at just strict popularity. I mean, AJ, but I mean, I don't, AJ does not feel that hot right now to me. I feel like he, he feels like a very credible champion and, I mean, you can argue who's hotter on SmackDown on the babyface side. Mm, it's you know he's 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 at the top. I just I've been very underwhelmed with SmackDown as a whole right now. It's a show that doesn't feel as though it's like Shane and Daniel Bryan are significantly more popular than AJ. I would say, and they're the non wrestlers. Yeah, they Those are the, the biggest babyfaces on the show. Um, and then you get to the wrestlers. Um, you know, you have a good dynamic with Owens and Zayn, but outside of that, I mean, the heels on this show are not are really nothing. Well, I mean, all the wrestlers have kind of taken a back seat to that Shane Bryan storyline over the past weeks. Um, and so I don't know. I hope after the rumble, uh, if it is Shinsuke Nakamura winning, I hope they kind of take all these characters a bit more seriously move AJ out of this kind of whole, the background of, of Shane and versus uh, Daniel Bryan and really kind of position AJ as this unbeatable champion on his way towards defending his belt at WrestleMania. That was SmackDown. Um, I'll say after watching raw on Monday night, I, I, I didn't think I thought this was going to be the most forgettable show ever when we were looking at this a week out that here you are coming off such a big show. Uh, but Raw was so disappointing on Monday night that this at least uh, it moved quickly. Um, it was a fine but, standard show. Uh, expectations obviously weren't as high as they were for Raw. But I think because expectations were so high for Raw and because Raw failed to meet those expectations so uh, majorly, uh, SmackDown felt like a good show in comparison. Yeah, they benefit from a bell curve this week, but SmackDown's been in a lull for a while. Yeah, and and this and this was a show that at one point was my favorite show. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, well, uh, do you want to go feedback first? Where do you want to go from here? Let's go through the mixed match challenge very very quickly. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, take us through. The Mixed Match Challenge. Second week of the Mixed Match Challenge, we have uh, Big E teaming up with Carmella, taking on Asuka and The Miz. So you had Big E and Carmella coming out wearing matching tights. Teal with black trim, the word fabulous on the front. They look great together. Uh, So something I think, you, you know, we realize is that there's a lot of comedy in these matches. These matches almost feel like they're more targeted towards children 
Uh, there were crowd chants of, we want Asuka. Carmella does the thing where she's afraid to tag in and won't get in the ring. So Big E has a plan. And Big E reaches from under the ring and grabs a giant foam letter L. And he tells Carmella to hand Asuka her first L. Huh. So someone in their props department spent the day and made this foam L for this match. Uh, Asuka accepts the L and proceeds to tear it up. So they tag back out. I mean, really, at this point, no wrestling yet. But, man, like, these matches get a lot of at- attention. They they get a lot of reaction from this crowd. Certainly compared to the 205 Live matches, crowds stay and they react to these. So... um. I can't say that this is really a failure. In fact, I feel like it's an improvement over what they typically do post-SmackDown for these shows. Um, Cole has a little portion of the match where he explains to us how how to get rid of the emojis on the Facebook screen. (laughs) Um, There's another spot where Miz and Asuka are both in the ring. They look at each other and they both deliver their yes kicks to the respective opponents in syncopation. Uh, Miz has the heat, really dull, really boring. Really, like, in terms of wrestling, the match is quite boring, and there wasn't much action. Um, anyway, so, in the end, Asuka gets an armbar on Carmella. Miz pulls Biggie off the apron, and Carmella taps out. So, Asuka and the Miz move on. Uh, I think, like, what's notable is that the babyface heel dynamics are all kind of very strange. Uh, from the moment they put these teams together, like, most of these teams, I feel, are com- comprised of one baby face and one heel. And in a situation like this, you had Carmella playing the baby face on her team whenever she's on the apron because Big E is a baby face. And if she's cheering on Big E, she's trying to get rile the crowd up. She's trying to just play straight up baby face. Hey, reach for the hot tag. Tag me in, tag me in. But once she's tagged in, she's she plays the heel against the baby face Asuka because when Asuka tags in, the crowd's all for Asuka. And... With the Miz, it's the opposite. On the apron, he's the babyface cheerleader for Asuka. But when he's in the ring, he's the heel against Big E. So it's all kind of like a little bit messy. I wonder, I mean, what the kind of philosophy is behind it all. Um, I don't know if it necessarily helps the match. But I'll say uh, crowds react to these matches. At least a lot more so than, you know, your typical um, 205 live live match. I feel like, you know, the comedies, I, I really don't mind. I think it's it, it's almost like setting up a, a nice template for for like a potential children's wrestling program. Tonally, it's very different. Uh, is it worth watching for somebody? I think you know who listens to this program. Probably not. You know, there's a I, I I like things to be different, and you know they they certainly tweaked with like the the style last week from the match I watched that they they seem to incorporate a lot more. Uh, some comedy into it, and it and it worked. So there's definitely that can differentiate yeah. is good. There's definitely something about the concept of like a an intergender tag match that I think makes people excited. Uh, mixed tag, not intergender. Sorry, mixed tag. Uh, that and, and also maybe just like the idea of putting like two personalities that don't normally belong together that I think gets people excited. So yeah, there's there's something there. I heard uh, the um, the Facebook Live numbers peaked at a much lower number than last 92, week. 92,000, I believe. Yeah, which was lower than, what, 135? Yes. Last week? 
Yes. So obviously people can watch. I think like last week's ended up being, you know, somewhere over 1.2 million throughout the week. But I, I think that the live number is kind of what Facebook probably is aiming for. I think that's what people want most. Um, so it was certainly promoted a lot less this week. I mean, you did have kind of Monday was a mess to try and promote anything more. Uh, but even on SmackDown, they kind of they showed the promo spots twice and that was it. It didn't feel anywhere near the priority it was a week ago. Mm -hmm. It was kind of uh, and I don't know if that was a reaction to just the first week. We're going to build it up and that's the audience. But it week two, I think it was noticeable how much lest they made this an emphasis. What what I find kind of fascinating is that like they're they're all fighting for charities, right? So the yes. Miz and and Asuka are fighting for like this dog charity, but like mm -hmm. at the end of the, this whole thing, there there can only be one winner. So my assumption is that all these charities will get something anyway. They're all getting ten thousand dollars, and then the winning team gets a hundred thousand for their charity. I see. Okay. Okay. So all will get donations. I think is how cool. they've uh, put it. Still kind of weird that you're doing a worked tournament mm -hmm. with a charity component to it. Yeah. But okay. Hey, they are donating to all the charities. All right. That was the mixed match challenge. Uh, let's go to feedback and then we'll do the, uh, the Royal rumble preview. Uh, tonight we were back to a normal show. So it was a scale of one to 10. And tonight the, the post wrestling audience believed that the SmackDown was a 6.08. Better than Raw. Yeah. Out of, sorry, out of 10. This was out of 10. Yeah, this was like twice, twice as, tw two times better than Raw. Well, let's start off with Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Just to top off the dreadful show last night, we get a rather lackluster go-home SmackDown. However, I'm relieved they didn't beat Asuka on the Mixed Match Challenge, judging by the results. Decided to watch 205 Live tonight for the first time since last May, mainly to see how they'd address the news. It still looks like everyone is caught in multi-man tag mid-card purgatory. Needless to say, regardless of what happens with the championship and a new general manager, I won't be watching again. One subpar TV weeks out of 10. I thought the 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 Cedric Alexander uh, Mustafa Ali match was really great. On oh, you watched the whole show. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched I, most of it. I liked all the the wrestling. I I kind of enjoyed the uh, the trios team of like the your masked uh, luchadors with Lince Dorado. Grand you love TJP. TJP is my favorite. He's the reason I, I love this show. He comes out and at the end of it, he ends up running into I think it was Tony Nice on the apron, and he just throws a fit, and it ends with him yelling, "What are you doing, God?" And then just get <laughs> nailed uh, by Lince with he is he has incorporated uh, the the big springboard stunner that John Cena just destroyed and has now been given to someone that can pull off the maneuver and lost. And then afterwards, he's got like the big pouty face on. <laughs> I would love if TJP was the general manager like he oh, would man. be. I would. I promise you if TJP was announced GM. I will review that show every week as long as he is GM. I will make sure I watch it every week just for the TJP general manager segments. So that is my pick to be the GM. I think you just want to see like TJP act. Yes, of course, Way. TJP on Broadway. Oh, man. There's so much with, with TJP. <laughs> oh, I love it. 
right, we go to Anthony and Philly on its own merits. This probably wasn't a memorable SmackDown worth going out of your way to see. By go-home show standards, aside from what looked to be an injury angle with Kevin Owens, there wasn't much to add more intrigue to the show. But coming off of what felt like a massive disappointment in Raw 25, combined with one of the best SmackDown crowds in a while, it sure made the show fly by, feel enjoyable, and reinvigorated me for a bit for Sunday. Question, now that all the shows are done, would you like to make your Rumble match winner predictions now? Okay, we'll do that later. Momentarily. Chris in Florida. Opening segment is already an improvement over last night. Great promos as per usual from Owens and Zayn. Styles cut a respectable babyface promo, but they got to ditch this cami nonsense. It makes AJ look like such a moron. On the plus side, the stip means we got two Styles matches. Skipping ahead to Nakamura and Corbin, this match pissed me off, at least until the ending. Nakamura was selling his ass off this match, and Corbin was no-selling or botching half the moves Nakamura was trying to give him. Corbin is just not a very good wrestler. Great surprise ending with the RKO to Nakamura. Didn't see that coming. Uh, Gets this one seven and a half. Knees to the face out of ten. We go to Tom from Charlottesville, Virginia. After what I thought was a very disappointing Raw last night, SmackDown delivered to me. It was a below-average show for the most part, and I was ready to come on here and bash the show and give it a 3 out of 10 or something. But I thought the AJ vs. Owens and AJ vs. Zayn matches were the best things to happen on SmackDown in a while. I don't... The AJ vs. Owens match, really? I don't know what... Like, it wasn't of, a match. All of it a minute? A, it was a sequence. Well, he says it got Zayn over as an incredible challenger to the title and added a few wrinkles to the AJ Styles character. He's still a face, but he showed some heel tendencies for the first time in like 10 months. And I think it's way more interesting when characters exist on a spectrum versus just good or bad, like how Tanahashi adjusts the mocking level of his air guitars based on the opponent. Maybe they aired, did they air like the, the match in commercial, perhaps? AJ versus Owens? Maybe in the US. Yeah. Maybe. We never get know. to see those. You know, it goes to a point that Zane brought up in his uh, interview on, on Chris Jericho's show last week about trying to find his mix as this new heel character because he doesn't want to be too goofy to the point that no one takes him seriously as a title challenger. Mm-hmm. And I'd say he's he's kind of in that role now. I wouldn't say, though, it's necessarily because of the comedy, but nobody takes this guy seriously as a title challenger on Sunday. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, he's kind of positioned as sort of the sidekick to Kevin Owens right now. Although he did have a good moment, I, I would say, in the in the first segment of the show where he just kind of all of a sudden got serious and like cut a very serious-looking promo. So clearly he still has that within him. I feel like when he wants to turn it up, he can. Very similar to like a Chris Jericho who can play goofy, uh, all he wants, but the moment that he wants to turn serious, as we just saw with 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 Jericho over the last month, he could be a very effective serious heel. Final one here, our favorite player, Joe Carter. SmackDown came out swinging in the first few innings with oh, the AJ, yes. Sammy, and Kevin promos and the Jey Uso and Chad Gable match. That lead would be squandered, though, by booking and the creative team as they failed to once again come up with new and fresh ways to build the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Luckily for SmackDown, both Sami Zayn and AJ Styles homered in the ninth as SmackDown barely squeaks by with a 6-5 victory. (laughs) I want to hear from this guy every week until I get tired of this. What's the 6-5 reference? Uh, I think just that they barely squeaked by, so he's picking a one-run game or a score. Okay. I don't think it's a significant score. Cool. Nice. I like that. That is the feedback. Thank you, folks, for sending it. Uh, Underwhelming go-home week, I will say, for the Royal Rumble. 
Yeah. For one of your biggest shows of the year. I can't say I'm really excited for this show at the moment. I mean, it's the rumble. I think that you have a certain level of anticipation that a lot of big angles are shot, especially coming out of it. You're going to start to see the direction. But as a show, my interest is very low for this show. Shall we go over the card? We shall. Well, let's go through uh, the undercard, which has lost some matches of late. Uh, The Usos will take on Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, two out of three falls for the SmackDown tag titles. This should be great. I think that Mm -hmm. now that you have a Cruiserweight title match that is off the show, U.S. title match that is off the show, this is a match that benefits. And I'd be perfectly fine if this ends up on the pre-show because they are doing the two-hour kickoff deal from 5 to 7 p.m. and then the rumble is 7 till 11 so Hmm. all all of a sudden they're back to having a lot of time on this show and a match like this I hope it benefits from that and and does get a lot of time because the Usos getting 16 17 minutes with Gable and Benjamin that'll be really strong absolutely I, I I would say like I'm looking at this card and it almost looks like this match is probably the one I'm most looking forward to because you know that all four men will deliver. Um, it, it, it's kind of I'm kind of curious to know if, whether this match will be on the kickoff or if Rollins and Jordan versus Cesaro and Sheamus will be on the kickoff, um, or maybe we'll not. Probably we'll probably have some matches added to this now Definitely. as well to make up for what's what's lost and the fact that I mean Br- they'll probably do three matches on the kickoff. That's yeah. how what they typically do. Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy. You joke. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm sure they might have a match on Or Sunday. like Titus Worldwide or something like that. Anyway, um, but yeah, that match should be fantastic. And I don't... I mean, listen, is it time for Gable and Benjamin to take the belt off? Yes. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think the Usos, like, they could just use that strong run, run and just continue this... I mean, I don't see this feud ending, certainly. But, um... And for that reason, maybe I kind of see the Usos retaining. I like a title change, so we're going to disagree on that one. All right. Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan versus Cesaro and Sheamus for the Raw tag titles. I think we could see a title change here as well. Although I think that if you're going to do this breakup with Rollins and Jordan, I think it should continue and they should retain on this show uh, rather than just instantly lose the titles here and then go into the breakup. I think that you could tell that over a longer time. I agree. I agree. I think uh, at this point, I don't know if Jordan and Rollins are, are scheduled to be the uh, WrestleMania program, but uh, it feels too early to break them up. I would also say the belts being back on Cesar and Sheamus doesn't really do anything for the belts. Um, and, you know, this is also another feud that I could see continuing i mean i think the bar are great but them with the belts just kind of feels very very overdone right now the raw tag title the the raw tag division it just kind of feels like it's just it's these four guys Mm -hmm. i i would like to see the revival put into their their more (laughs) good luck well after this not 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 a great week for them Um, i mean uh balor club obviously gallows and anderson kind of have a new life now as well um, that I just want to see some fresh bodies in here because Cesaro and Sheamus, they're, they're a fine team together. Very good. Great mechanically, but, but no opponents. They have no opponents and move uh, them on think, SmackDown. And I think you, you freshen them up completely, but right now on raw, it's a bit tough. 
AJ Styles against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a handicap match for the WWE Championship. Is this a foregone conclusion that AJ will retain this title against Listen, all odds? The way they've been booking AJ, certainly not. I could see them, you know, going for the novelty uh, title change of and having co-champions for the very first time of Kevin, o- an injured Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But but knowing the injury to Kevin Owens, I would probably um, swing the odds back towards AJ's favor. Well, it depends if you're continuing with this Daniel Bryan tease. I mean, there's the one hand that this could be Owens and Zayn can't work together. See, this is why I wanted this to be a three-way, because I think that you go in with the same psychology of this being essentially two-on-one, but it is a triple threat match that Owens and Zayn cannot agree who is ultimately going to get the pinfall, and this is Brian's master plan that he has uh, proven that these two are really not best friends. They're selfish pieces of garbage. But in this, that makes no sense. If they can't agree who gets the pinfall, you're kind of right because both either one can get the pinfall and the result would be the same. So um, if you want to if you want to continue Brian as this general manager that's making all these decisions Shane is questioning, then to further that, Owens and Zayn running SmackDown as the co-champions strengthens the Shane Bryan uh issue. So but what w- in the end, Daniel Bryan has to reveal why he's been doing what he's been doing. And what what explanation could justify him allowing Owens and Zayn to win the belt and tarnish that legacy? That the two, their friendship erodes and each believes they are the one that should be the champion and not the other. Yeah, but I still feel like that's going too far. Like if you're somebody like a, a Daniel Bryan, you have a lot of respect for the ch- the legacy of the championship, and I don't think he would sacrifice that and sacrifice an AJ Styles title run for that reason. Like, uh, to, like what I'm trying to say is, I feel like if this Daniel Bryan thing has to come to a head, it has to come to a head on in this match, and he has to kind of reveal his cards at on uh, uh, you know in this match. He reveals he's working for Raw. He reveals that he. Is entering the rumble and he's says, "Fuck you guys, I don't care about this job anymore, and I'm going to beat whoever is the champion." I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to predict, but I do see AJ somehow retaining. Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Kane. I've got to say that this doesn't feel like a big match. No, I'm hoping that they can. This is one where I hope it is shorter. I hope this is 10 minutes or less. I don't want to see this go 20 minutes of just because with all due respect, I mean, this is quite a this is where you see the difference when you are you have a cane in this match as opposed to a Roman Reigns uh, of the 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 monster spots you can do with all of these guys. And we saw Lesnar and Strowman not really click as most assume they would when they had their singles match. Um I think that they probably uh, want to have a do-over and can have a better match. Uh, but Kane will inevitably uh, bring this down. I still feel that this is where you should shoot the hunter angle in some form with Braun Strowman. And is a credible way to get Braun uh, to lose this match, spin him off with Hunter for WrestleMania, and Lesnar can retain this 
pinning Kane or even pinning Braun if you're going to put all the heat on Hunter for costing Braun the match. But I see Lesnar retaining, and this would be the match I'd get Hunter involved in in some way. Yeah, I also see Lesnar retaining. I, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I think that the 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 Triple H program is certainly something that I think um, might see some uh, development on this show. Let's not forget that you know any of these three could enter the Rumble, and you could do something there involving Triple H and Braun Strowman, perhaps. Yeah, you could do that. I would prefer that. Braun not be in the rumble and that he has to end up losing twice on this show in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane, sure. Put him in the rumble. Get get all your, how's this guy preparing to become the mayor of a city is like, he's doing house shows. It, are the elections done? No, it's in may though, but it's oh, okay. So then he's got lots of time. Doesn't he have like he's, a campaign to be running? He's raising, he's raising funds right now by wrestling. I would tell you if, if my local candidate was off doing pro wrestling shows at a time when he's trying to convince me to vote for him for mayor, I'd be like, not a chance. Not a chance. How about this other candidate okay, who's pounding the pavement every day, knocking on doors? Well, I think everything's out the window. Uh, seeing how people vote these days. Um, yeah, this guy's committing murder on Raw. <laughs> yeah. I would vote for him. Just to no, say I've got won't. yeah, just to say I've got a WWE wrestler as my mayor. Isn't that cool? Ugh. What what is happening to the world? Um so we both agree Brock retains yeah. this and Kane gets uh, Then we go to the Royal Rumble. Let's start off with the women's rumble. First of all, I think the question, the biggest question is where where would you slot this in the card? Mm. The women's rumble. Mm. I think it really depends on what you have planned. If it is, if it is in fact the Ronda Rousey card, which I'm not the biggest fan of them uh, doing, but let's just for the sake of this argument state that she is a surprise in this rumble and she's winning. I think hands down that closes the show. Mm-hmm. I think there's an argument to like, I, I don't get wrapped up in all of this. What goes on last? I think you just, you try to structure the show as, as best as possible. Um, there's probably an argument that the fact this is the first one that you do put it in the main event position, but that is very mm-hmm. tough in front of a crowd that has already seen a Royal rumble, uh, that is going to have high expectations. And this is going to be, after sitting in that arena for five hours at this point. So uh, I think it, and and let's be honest, the Royal Rumble for a number of years has not been a well-booked affair over the last few years. They have really screwed up some rumbles over the last few years and mm-hmm. somewhat taken for granted how this was just a slam dunk every year. Like this was a layup, the Royal Rumble people love every year. And it hasn't been for a number of years. They've had some, Real And it comes down to the booking. This is a very, it's a match that when it all comes together with the surprises, with different little interactions, you're, you really applaud the booking of a rumble. But coming off of Monday night, uh, I'm not taking that as given at all. Like, look how they bungled up Monday. And we're asking them to kind of do a miniature version of that with this rumble, which comes down to different combinations and unique little uh, chapters within a 60-minute match. Because there's so much attention on this Rumble, 
I feel like they're probably putting a lot of effort and, and probably pulling in their best minds to, to work on this and to maybe shell out a lot of money to get some really good surprises for it. There are a lot, there's a lot more room for surprise on this, in this rumble than the men's, um, you know, I, I, as a men's rumble way, the official, mm -hmm. like they've announced like 13 people. Yeah. But if you're looking at all the people that, that are probably going to get on the card, like with the with the women's rumble, there are only like twenty women on the entire roster. So you know for a fact that there are going to be ten people that are going to be somewhat surprises. Um, well, let's let's go through who's been announced so far. We okay. have on SmackDown we have Naomi, Ruby Riot, Natalia, Carmella, Tamina, Lana, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Becky Lynch. And on Raw we have Oscar, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Mickey James, Nia Jax, Alicia Fox, and Dana Brooke. I mean, I, I, basically, ex I expect everybody who's not Alexa nor Charlotte to be in there. Yes. Um, except Paige. Of course, yeah. except Paige. I would imagine a number of NXT women get into this rumble. Mm -hmm. um, I could see someone like a um, Peyton Royce, uh, Billy Kay, yeah. maybe uh, getting into this. Now, and like somebody like a Shayna Baszler or an Ember Moon, is there, or, or even a Kyrie Sane, like, is there any point to putting them in a match like this? I don't like those those options. Me neither. I think those they should not be just one-off debuts in a rumble or uh, debuts or just doing like the one-off and then they go back to NXT. I don't like that for any three of those. The only the only one I I could see them doing something with would be if say for instance they had Shayna Baszler win the title on Saturday, she beats Ember Moon mm -hmm. and announces she's entering the Royal Rumble tomorrow night to make history in one weekend. And the next night, that is your bridge to get Ronda Rousey to appear in the crowd. She has a reason to be there. And then you can shoot an angle with Ronda on the show. She's there to support Shayna in the Rumble. I like that. But I mean, what's really it, I don't you feel like if mm, don't do you feel like that's enough time, though? You know what I mean? Between TakeOver and Rumble to really get people interested. But yeah, no, you know what? That's I, I think that, that could work. Yeah, definitely. Or you know what? Rhonda's there in the crowd. She's there for the Rumble, and we don't know why she's there. Mm -hmm. I just I like that idea so much more than we see her first match unannounced as a surprise but, entrant. But the Rumble isn't really a match. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's an interaction, if anything. And I think... If I was the WWE, I'd be looking at the headlines the next day. Ronda Rousey wins the Royal Rumble. RR wins RR. It works. And then Roman Reigns well, wins the other one. Well, well, maybe Ruby Riot wins the Royal Rumble. <laughs> but uh, I think, like, just from a PR perspective, they're probably looking like these are the chips that they have. We have R R Ronda Rousey. We have the Royal Rumble. Let's put the two together and try to make headlines. Ronda Rousey is going to challenge for the title at WrestleMania. That, I think, is is you maximizing your value out of Ronda Rousey. So if Ronda Rousey is signed on, I would say she has to be the winner of the Royal Rumble. How do you have her enter? Is she the last entrant? Yes. Yes, because anybody who's... else after makes no sense. And who's, the, who's the, the woman? Or is there... Do you have one woman standing and what's, then the buzzer goes? What's a challenge? Uh, what, you mean at the end? Well, yeah, she's got to have that, she that has final to, stare down. She has down to clean someone. house. Oh, you mean who who does she stare down at the end? 
Uh, well, I was going to say, like, who is like, do you do her and Oscar to end the rumble? And I think you separate Oscar. I mean, I think you separate those two because those those are the two that you want to protect. I mean, the, the face off would be great. And I think if it was Ronda with anybody else, it would kind of maybe her and Nia. Ronda throwing out Nia might be might look good. I can't believe I'm even talking about this. <laughs> How are we booking Ronda Rousey in the Royal Rumble? Yeah. But, it, it could it's definitely wild. be done very effectively. I just look at it that I don't know. I'm not as not as hot on the idea, but if they have a great um, if they have a great plan and mm-hmm. it's and it's executed properly, like that's a big role to put her in yeah. on her first night with you know her all her experience has been uh, inside of inside of a training center. She doesn't have have to do a ton though. Like she mm-hmm. can throw. She can throw anybody, you know. Well, it's 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 still different. Um, oh but we'll man, see. I think the crowd will be so disappointed if it if she's not there with this much speculation. Oh yeah, everyone's going in. Daniel Bryan and Ronda Rousey won the Rumble. I mean, I if, okay, so if it's not Ronda, obviously, I would say the choice is Asuka. Yes, I would say so. I think that's it, a. It's kind of it would be kind of shitty to like if she if Ronda isn't doing it and people get disappointed. Although I don't think the crowd will be disappointed if if Asuka wins. I he she to me she seems like a clear fan f- number two. You know what I mean? Well, do they run the risk? This is Philadelphia. The last one in Philadelphia. That was the year that everyone assumed Daniel Bryan would be coming back to win the Rumble that night, and then he just never entered. That's gonna and- happen exactly. For this one, not too. That audience is going to whether whether people legitimately believe Ronda is in this rumble or not, they're going to want Ronda to be in the rumble. I'm and there talk, will be I'm, disappointment. I'm talking about Daniel Bryan because he well, he Bryan people, too. People are going to yeah. cheer for Daniel Bryan to come out, and when he's not there for number thirty, uh, I I don't know. It, it's almost like <laughs> I wonder like what is exactly going on. To, to like the the fact that Brian is even making headlines as part of this whole thing, like I almost wonder if it is if it's intentional somehow. Like maybe Shane comes out number thirty, or the Miz comes out number thirty. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So let's let's talk about the men's rumble. The men's rumble. Here are our big participants. We have the New Day: Ty Dillinger, Aiden English, Rusev, Baron Corbin, Randy Orton, and Shinsuke Nakamura from SmackDown, and then on Raw. Elias, Finn Balor, Matt Hardy, Bray Wyatt, Apollo Crews, Titus O'Neil, The Miz, and our free agent, John Cena. Mm-hmm. What a lineup here. So we can eliminate everyone with the exception of Orton, Nakamura, and Cena as believable winners. Anyone I'm missing? I would eliminate. Balor, I mean, Corbin, I, would, I would eliminate Bray. S- Cena. You don't think Cena is a, could end up winning this? So what do you get, Cena versus Brock? At Mania, Cena versus AJ, which I don't think they'll do. Why um, not? Uh, I I guess they could because we've seen it already. C- Cena's Cena's record breaking title change at WrestleMania. You're right. Yeah, they could. I they mean, could. I don't think that's happening, but I I, I think that's you know okay. I mean, I, I, sure. I would I would say Orton. Sorry, I would say Cena over Orton because I don't see. Yeah, Orton. I don't even know why I included Orton in the in that. Uh, I don't think he's winning this at all. Yeah, Cena and Nakamura, I think, are going to be, and and Roman Reigns, who is actually not announced yet how, for the Rumble. How about Jinder? Be, 
of a Jinder Mahal? No, no. Mm, I, who, who are some other who are some other candidates? Let me let me look at these Vegas odds. Royal Rumble. Um, I've never done this. Okay, do you want to know the Vegas odds? Yeah, give Currently, us the, the favorites. So number one, Shinsuke Nakamura. Number two, Roman Reigns. Number three, Daniel Bryan. Number four, John Cena. Braun Strowman. Dolph Ziggler, for whatever reason. Finn Balor. AJ Styles, even though he's the champion. Uh, Baron Corbin. Kevin Owens. Seth Rollins. Bobby Roode. Randy Orton. Sami Zayn. Bray Wyatt. Samoa Joe. Okay, so it just kind of gets really ridiculous, but... I mean, you know, Reigns, well, Nakamura. Watching that, watching that show on Monday night, I, I think the Dolph Ziggler is like a ten percent chance, but oh one that God. I wouldn't say is a zero percent chance. Now, what about a Finn Balor? No, I just uh, e- even with I, I think that he's certainly uh, one one of the few people that benefited from Raw on Monday night, but not for this kind of a spot. No, you would I, I think you he, would say I, Dolph Ziggler over Finn Balor? Yes, I would. I I think that you have to look on Raw. It's like the match is locked. It's like unless they've added – and I wouldn't even – like what would be the alternative for for Mania if it wasn't for Roman Reigns and Brock? Seriously. You mean if Brock is champ? I think everyone assumes Brock will be champion. Sure. Um, John Cena? Cena and Brock? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that could be an alternative uh, to – to Reigns and Even Brock, but Braun maybe, but no, I, I I do I do imagine it'll be Roman. But could you imagine that you've spent all this time on Roman, and now we're at like the finish line, and we're gonna just change course? So I I think that the raw options really come down to Reigns, and that's it. Yeah. And on SmackDown, it's well, and Cena, I mean, could theoretically be a SmackDown winner. He could challenge for that title. Mm-hmm. Um, Cena, Nakamura, and I think those are the. I think those are the three options you're looking at. For this the Daniel Bryan thing, though, is really like. It does, I, I put I put nothing into this. Nothing. Okay, but, but maybe I'll look foolish, but I I I put like nothing into it, other than it's yeah. going to raise expectation. Which, if I was the WWE, honestly, I I would want to make it clear this guy's not going to be in the Rumble for what you just outlined. Yeah, I would. I I feel like I I feel like that's that would be nice too or even daniel ryan himself coming out but like i i don't know like the fact that it's even a, a part of the question can they play with it can they play with that expectation and 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 make a fun moment out of out of something i th- i think people are really assuming way too much that they would be having someone internally betting money on on like I think it's just fans that are all hoping for this, that are placing down bets, and and that's about it. Hmm. So, uh, what what is your pick? Shinsuke Nakamura. So it's going to be Nakamura and Ronda Rousey. Those are your picks. Yes. Uh Ronda Rousey. I don't even really know. Um, God, that's so bizarre. Any surprises that you for either either Rumble that you would like to see that you think are um, realistic? Aside from like kind of jokey cameos, we're in Philadelphia. Do you think we'll get some ECW? Very run-ins. Very possible. Um, Maybe like a, a Dreamer. Yeah, he's always available. 
I mean, the the uh, guy that can work for all promotions under the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's another kind of Philly? I don't know the Sandman. Sure, why not? Um, I think uh, who's some who's somebody that I don't know? Maybe like a Booker T. Mm. I'd rather know. see Stevie. Yeah, I don't know if that's happening. Maybe Comes I with a maybe, flapjack. Yeah, maybe X Pac. Yeah, I, that, that, I mean, you could just take take a wild guess, and you can take a wild guess because if you want to make your rumble picks, I think now is the perfect time to do it. Now you've you've got to. All yeah. the TV is done. Uh, I don't think we are going to get any more advancements uh, for the rumble, so you can go now to postwrestling.com/rumble and enter now. It is free to join. We are we do this pool every year. And the winner will be announced on Monday, the winner of the first ever post-wrestling Royal Rumble pool. And you get to vote on many different categories of who will last the longest, the shortest, surprise entrance. And we've got categories for both the men's and women's Rumble. So it's the biggest pool of all time. It's It really is a lot of fun. Like, however the booking is, I think just, like, it's the only time of year where, like, I like guessing wrestling outcomes i thought you were gonna say it's the only time of the year i like wrestling yeah yeah that too because my life is so miserable uh no but like it's the only time of year where like i can actually justify uh playing any type of betting game with professional wrestling is the rumble because you know like things like match or or entrance order or or time uh, these are kind of real like true variables that uh are kind of tough to predict so get together with your friends Place, uh, bet for Monopoly money. Don't bet for real money because nobody should do that. Um, anyway, uh, postwrestling.com slash rumble. Uh, before we go, John, I want to talk a bit about um, uh, the Destiny show that occurred over this weekend in, in uh, Mississauga. Yes, go for it. Yeah, so uh, I attended Destiny, and of course, uh, uh, this uh, they typically do shows out of uh, Battle Arts. I think they all do their shows out of Battle Arts, which is Santino Morella's gym. Um and I got here. This was uh, for their show called Carnage, which I believe is their, their anniversary show. Um, and I think this one in particular kind of made a lot of headlines because they had already booked Austin Aries versus Pete Dunne um, prior to Austin Aries appearing at Impact. But since they had booked the match, Austin Aries, of course, had won the Impact Championship. And therefore, they were they were thus promoting this event headlined by the first ever Impact Champion versus WWE UK Champion match. Um, and, you know, uh, even the titles aside, I think I would have really been interested in this match anyway because it was, I mean, two, like, incredible wrestlers. So uh, I was already looking forward to this. Uh, I showed up. I saw Bartender Dave there. I saw uh, 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 Brayden. Just straight from his uh, excursion from Japan, saw Wrestle Kingdom and decided to go to Mississauga uh, right afterwards. Um, Nug Nargang, our friend, is uh, the announcer. Um, so anyway, uh, sold out show completely. I got there like at seven thirty because I, I I made the mistake of like not knowing which was like the they advertised seven thirty on the on the on the bill, and I thought this was the the uh, do- time for doors. This was actually like close to bell time so by the time i got there i couldn't even find a seat like they had over oversold it i guess so i ended up like standing for most of it or, or just like 
I, I pulled up like a, a weight training bench and I sat in it like a really sad like person but I had a great time um there was an impact taping to start and that was between Matt Seidel and Petey Williams you know pretty good standard match um I think uh by the they're, they're probably filming they also like uh Destiny announced um their next show being an impact live road show I believe is what they're called and yes. I believe they are taping all those matches uh, maybe some for TV, but I think a lot of them will be for Twitch as well. Am I right, John? Um, yeah, they've announced. It just says that the, uh, you know, be part of a TV taping for the first time in Toronto, and they've announced Alberto El Patron, Matt Seidel, Austin Aries, Eli Drake, Petey Williams, Ali Moose, and Trevor Lee. So I would imagine it's going to be kind of filler matches that they're going to insert into Impact that you've seen them using, such as Border City shows. Uh, they've inserted and yeah, probably some content uh, for Twitch, I would imagine. So that's their taping March the 4th. So you had William Seidel here uh, open, very, very strong match. Really enjoy seeing both these guys live. Uh, your next match was an open challenge from Josh Alexander and Nug greeted me when I entered the, 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 the place and he said, you're in for quite the show because there are going to be a lot of surprises. And the first one came here for this open challenge because... The person to answer the open challenge was Michael Elgin. He came out, uh, I believe, like he's like one of Josh Alexander's trainers, even. So these two had a very lengthy match. Michael Elgin came out and just basically beat the shit out of Josh Alexander, slapped the shit out of him. And to hear like those slaps and those chops in that very tiny, compact arena that houses maybe like, I don't know how much, like maybe 300 max. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it was very, uh, very loud. Um, and Josh Alexander ended up winning that one with a spinning tombstone. Uh, the next match was RJ City taking on Stone Rockwell with a loser leaves destiny, destiny match. And Scott Demore was actually the special ref here. I think, I don't really follow Destiny uh, too often, but I believe Demore is typically RJ City's uh, manager. And so this was kind of Scott Demore playing like Scott Demore from Destiny, and this was a loser leaves Destiny match. This was a match that I think was mainly booked for like a lot of the the the, the people that regularly watch Destiny. Um, it was a logic, lot of comedy to start, a lot of callbacks to I think a lot of you know their 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 dancing. They spent like a majority of this match like uh, building up to like their. Um, Stone Rockwell's adventure dance and the crowd ate it up. They loved it. The match itself was like, you know, kind of like not not necessarily, you know, uh I, I would say a match that uh stood out in terms of work rate, but like it was more so for the storyline. You had Demore kind of being really reluctant to count the finishes because he didn't want either guy to to lose. Uh but eventually he did count for uh Stone Rockwell to win, defeating RJ City, and this was RJ City's goodbye match from destiny and it seemed like even his goodbye match from like the indie scene in general i mean he actually at the end of the match came out and uh grabbed the mic and it kind of felt out of character he just cut a promo saying goodbye and um crowd started chanting nxt nxt and rj city says actually i'll probably go to broadway so the crowd starts <laughs> chanting Broadway, Broadway, but it seemed to me like, uh, 
uh, he's he's in for some type of career change. So it was kind of a heartfelt moment from this crowd. Um, and then up next was the Santino Cobra Cup Rumble, the very first one. Uh, I won't kind of get too much into into this because it was really just kind of like a bunch of local talent uh, coming in for their Rumble match. These intermission intervals were like they were probably like 15 seconds in between. It was like one <laughs> countdown ends and another begins right away just to kind of cram everybody in. They did advertise one surprise entrant and they saved it for last. And it was James Ellsworth who received a huge ovation. He of course ended up winning. Uh, Santino comes out, presents the cup to him. Did he, did he come out as James Ellsworth? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He was announced as James Ellsworth, came out as James Ellsworth. I don't know how active he's been since he's been uh, 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 let go by the company. but um, No, I think he's still on his 90-day no-compete, and they gave him the okay to do this, actually. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So he wins it, and the Santino Cup uh, is sort of like a money-in-the-bank gimmick where um, he can cash in the trophy for a title match at any time. Uh, he starts off, you know, cutting a babyface promo saying Toronto, uh, putting over Toronto's wrestling history. But then says, it's too bad the city absolutely sucks. And he just <laughs> cuts this anti-Canadian promo, says he's going to feed his dog water out of this cup, and he'll cash it in whenever he wants to come back. Um, right. We also had a women's match in there. Um, I, I should really uh, bring up the names. Um, but it was a, a fine match. I feel bad. But the thing is, it's like this was like a very short show. It was like only six matches, and I, I felt very satisfied. But let's get on. Oh, to, love it. Yeah, the main event was Pete Dunn versus uh, Austin Aries. Uh, he like just it was it was just awesome. Like kind of being in this like really intimate crowd, seeing a match that I'd be legitimately interested in. If it was headlining a takeover, if it was headlining like you know. Uh, even a two hundred five live, like I'd be legitimately interested in it, and to be able to kind of see it so up close was really great. Uh, a lot of you know um, what you would expect from these guys: a lot of speed, a lot of great technique, uh, and a lot of charisma. I think from from both men. Um, the finish for this match came when uh, Aries hit his brain buster and then kind of reached over to small package for a pinfall, and it resulted in both men's shoulders being. Uh, on the ground and both men getting pinned and so they're doing kind of that double finish the fans start chanting restart uh aries and dunn agree to do it so they restart the match again a lot of hard hitting and then james ellsworth music hits and he comes in he decks aries with the trophy decks pete dunn with the trophy and he decides to cash in his santino cup uh t- trophy for a title match so now it's a three-way. He goes for the pin on Pete Dunn. Dunn kicks out at two. Now Aries is back in. He tro- he drop kicks Ellsworth in the corner. And then he goes for the last chance to on Ellsworth. Dunn, of course, breaks it up. So then Dunn hits the jumping pile driver on Ellsworth, and he pins James Ellsworth to retain the title, the Destiny Championship. And I guess to creatively get themselves out of a situation where neither Impact champion nor the wwe uk champion has to get pinned but i thought i was satisfied i thought it was a clever way to kind of get out of that little predicament it was an interesting fun surprise and the match itself was awesome so i I had a great time well that was cool sounds like uh it it was a fun show and it was a, a day where in ontario we had 
Destiny, Smash Wrestling, and Alpha One, which is Ethan Page's group, all running shows on Sunday. So there was a lot of wrestling in Ontario on, on Sunday. Yeah, there's so much of it. The scene is like really healthy right now and it's uh yeah, it's 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 better than ever. Uh before we end the show, I'll just quickly go over the uh the ratings from Monday night. The anniversary show is a very big success um for the WWE. 4.5 million people uh was the average viewership. So it was above both wow. what you and I predicted. Yeah. Um and so the first hour was enormous, 4,803,000 viewers. But kind of the story of this show was that from the first to the third hour, it declined 13.6%. So we dropped to 4.64 million in the second hour and then all the way down to 4.15 million in the third hour. All by raw standards, all three hours, incredible. This was their highest number since the night after WrestleMania 2015, so almost three years wow. um, that they hit this uh, this height. As we mentioned on Monday, the Raw 1000 was just over six million, so not hitting that level. But this was like this blew away what they did the night after Mania last year. So I mean, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I did an over under on Monday, and my number I picked was 4.5 million, and I got all these people saying, "Oh, you're crazy! It won't be 4.5 million." Right on the dot, doubters. Right on the dot, okay? Yeah, you don't mess with Chopo. Like, certainly this is something to be celebrated, uh, you know, because they they, pro- they did a great job promoting it. I don't think you could doubt that. But you People also... People tuned out of this show. They well, did tune out. I mean, it was this wasn't a, four, a, a grand slam. 4.8 million people watched the rather disappointing, lackluster show. So... The first hour was yeah. 4.8. So... I mean, I don't know. In the end, like, if you have that audience, you'd want to kind of put your best foot forward. But I, I'm curious to know how much of that audience they will manage to retain. Oh, I think I think they'll have a big number next week. Not to this level, but coming off the Rumble, that's always a big show. Uh, but even in Mania season, I mean, I this was not a show that anything on this show I could imagine um, someone that had not watched in years uh, would be so compelled to come back. Mm, yeah. Like, I don't think they they utilize this. And you can only do a show like this every couple of years to attract this level of audience. And you probably can't do another one of these for at least five years. Well, it tells you that the, the SmackDown 1000 thing and also the, the, what is it, 20 years of SmackDown, I think those yes. will be heavily promoted shows. Nostalgia is certainly something that will always sell. People will always hook themselves onto kind of their memories of the times when they used to watch wrestling. I just hope they they picked up some lessons from from this one and the reaction to this one that um you know unfortunately I don't feel like they lived up to a lot of those expectations. All right. Um that is going to bring an end to the show. Uh once again, want to mention that uh we'll be back, well I'll be back on Wednesday with WH Park. We're going to chat uh, a bunch of Japanese wrestling including Wrestle Kingdom, New Year's Dash and we're going to preview the new beginning shows coming up this uh, this weekend in Sapporo. On Thursday, that'll be free. That will be a free show. Thursday coming at you is British Wrestling Experience. It's going to be uh, Benno and Ollie this week as uh, Martin is off, but he will be returning. Friday for our patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe, it is Rewind Away covering WrestleMania 18 as we will be chatting that show from the Sky Dome in 2002. Very much looking forward to that show. Are Are we going to the Sky Dome to do this review? 
Yes, we are going to be doing it right at gate seven. So if you guys show up Friday morning, uh, we will be there at that gate no, uh, outside no, with won't. a microphone. No. Saturday, we will have a NXT TakeOver review. That will be up free for everybody on postwrestling.com. It will be myself, Bartender Dave, and Braden Harrington as they make their post-wrestling debuts. And then Sunday night, we will have a review of the Royal Rumble, which uh, me and Way will be for, forget about the surprises in the Royal Rumble. You just tune in Sunday and see what what me and Way can do justice to the Royal Rumble. Yeah, un- unlike Raw 25, we won't announce them ahead of time. No. So that is all coming up. And if you're in Toronto, Friday night, it is Rumble Strikes, hosted by Jason Agnew, uh, happening at Comedy Bar. And you can get your tickets at twostrikescomedy.com. CA. It's dot CA. Well, go to go to jasonagnew.com. It's a redirect here. Jasonagnew.com slash two strikes comedy. Sure. Yeah. And you can talk to Mark Andrada about his uh live experience at uh, Raw twenty five. Two strikes comedy.com. It's a dot com. Uh yes, Mark Andrada, who is at the Manhattan Center. So it's a packed week. Go join the Rumble Pool and you will get plenty of shows coming up. Uh, one every day this week. 